If you've got Mark chapter 1 open, I wanted to share with you the next message uh, in the series of carriers. And um, it's titled The Wilderness. The message is titled The Wilderness. Now, wilderness is just a, an uninhabited place. Uh, and here we have Jesus. Uh, last week we looked at the identity of Jesus and, and uh, last week's message was, Can I get a witness? And the witness of the prophets declaring who Jesus was and John the Baptist declaring who Jesus was. And, and at Jesus' baptism, we had the Father, the voice from heaven, and we also had the Holy Spirit coming down onto Jesus like the form of a dove, in the form of a dove, uh, giving approval of who Jesus was, right? And so that was a mountaintop kind of experience. And then it says in verse 12, if you've got it open, in verse 12 of Mark chapter 1, the New Living Translation puts it this way, the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. To go into the wilderness. I don't know if you've ever been in the wilderness before, uh, physically. Uh, it's, it's remote. It's a remote place. Uh, we love going camping as a family and and we actually like going camping in remote places. We used to go to Fraser Island up in Queensland and uh, just camp and take our own water and, and take our own food and, and not plug into any electrical sockets anywhere. And uh, there was no phone reception. And so we were off the grid, so to speak. And uh, it was fairly remote. But Jesus isn't taking a tent or a camper trailer or a caravan or any pack of clothes that we can see or a swag. He's not taking anything. It's just, it's all of a sudden, you know, and it's, it's Mark's favorite word immediately. And, uh, and uh, at once, immediately, Jesus is compelled to go into the wilderness. And there's four things really wanted to share with you about the wilderness. If you're writing them down, here they are, right? The four things, and you can just have a sleep for the rest of the message. First one is the wilderness is necessary. The wilderness is necessary. Second thing is the wilderness is solitary. The wilderness is solitary. The wilderness is temporary. It's temporary. And I won't tell you what the fourth one is yet. But I'll wake you up before that happens. So the first thing is that the wilderness is necessary. Now, for Jesus, the wilderness was extremely necessary in that he was compelled to go there by the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not told any more information than that. Uh, in Mark's gospel, this account of Jesus in the wilderness is only a few verses, but we read about the actual event in more detail from Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. And if you wanted to look at all the details, go for it. But I, I, I feel like, Mark wants to teach us something specifically here about the wilderness that Jesus faced. And the first thing I think he's trying to teach us is that it's necessary. Whether we know the details or not, we can see that the reason why Jesus went into the wilderness is because the Spirit compelled him to go there. We're not told of any other details. Why, for example? Which is one of those questions we love to ask God when we find ourselves in a wilderness. I don't know if you ever have, but I have. Why, God, am I here? Why am I experiencing this, this arid season in my life, in my spiritual walk with you? Why does it seem like you're not there, God? Why does it seem like it's so difficult? Why does it feel like I'm on my own? Why is it so hard? Why does it seem like it's going on forever? 
Why, 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 why? We're not told any reasons. We're just told that it's necessary because the Holy Spirit compelled him to go there. It's interesting that word compel. It doesn't mean that, that Jesus has been pushed there against his will. It just means that this is an absolutely necessary part of Jesus's ministry. You know, and it was necessary for Jesus to go through the wilderness to have a face-off with the devil himself. He was tempted by the devil, we're told. The devil, like Satan, actually with Jesus in the wilderness, tempting him. And it kind of reminds me of the first man that was tempted by Satan and woman, Adam and Eve. And, and they weren't in a wilderness. They were in paradise. They had everything going for them. They had all that they needed. They had the fruit. They had, the, they had a job. They had animals. They had God's presence with them. Everything was awesome. And yet Satan came and tempted Adam in that, wilder, in that, in that paradise, in that garden. And he failed. And here we have what Paul talks about in, uh, in other passages in the scriptures about Jesus being the second Adam, like a second type of Adam. And Jesus being the first, the firstborn of a new generation of people that are uh, ready for heaven and regenerated. And, uh, and Jesus here is not in a garden. He's not in an idyllic situation where everything's going for him. He's in the wilderness and he's tested. He's, everything about him is tested. Could you imagine that? 40 days he's in there for, in the wilderness, 40 days. But it's necessary. It's necessary because God called him into it, compelled him into it, drew him into it, led him into it, whatever way you want to put it. The wildernesses that we go through, we have to believe whether we have the details or not, we have to believe that it's part of God's plan for us. I have to believe that. If I don't believe that it's part of God's plan for me, I will fall apart. And if the devil comes to try and tempt me, I will fail. But if you and I can understand this first principle about the wilderness is that it's necessary as a child of God, the wildernesses are necessary, then we might have hope. We might have hope. And here's Jesus. We see he's victorious against the devil in the wilderness. So it's necessary that Jesus goes through the wilderness in order to overcome sin, to overcome temptation, and to prove himself as the one who mm -hmm. is above mm -hmm. temptation. Not that he can't be tempted, but that he's not, he's not weak to succumb to it and therefore sin and dis disbelieve God. Or doubt God's word. Jesus needed to go through the wilderness, and so do we. It's necessary. Also, the wilderness is solitary. I mean, obviously, the wilderness for Jesus is solitary. He he didn't have anyone with him. We're, we're told that he had the wild animals to keep him company or to make him afraid at night, and angels at some point whether they be throughout the 40 days, I'm not sure, but it could have been at the end where angels came to minister to him. But the only company that Jesus actually had in the wilderness, apart from Satan, was himself. You know, and the wilderness can be a solitary place. 
where we are forced to have a good look at ourselves, where our, our motives are drawn to the surface, our desires are uprooted and, we're sh- and, and they're shown for what they are. We're forced to take a good look at ourselves. It brings, the wilderness brings out the real us. Now, I've spoken with you guys before at church about how we come from Queensland and um, Queensland is famous for having cane toads. And I remember as a kid riding my BMX bike around the streets and you'd see these flattened out cane toads on the road because they'd been squished by cars. And um, more often than not, probably eight and a half times out of ten, this the cane toad's guts come out of its mouth. Because it's under pressure, what's, un- what's inside comes out. And the wilderness is one of those places where what's on the inside comes out. It's a solitary place. It's solitary. It's, it's not solitary confinement, although it feels like it. In the kingdom of God, the wilderness means solitary refinement. It's, it's a place, it's the only place really where we can actually do battle with, with all of our desires and our, and our hopes and our dreams and our sins and our weaknesses where we couldn't really battle with them in, in public. We can battle with them in solitude. I think of David, you know, before King David was King David, he was a, he was a shepherd. And before he could ever slay the giant, Goliath, he needed to slay the bear or the lion in the, in the pasture. You know, in solitude, when no one was looking, he needed to slay those animals and protect his sheep when no one was looking. And then that qualified him, those victories in solitude qualified him for the victories in the multitude. You know, when it wasn't private anymore, but it was public. You know, and there's some battles that you and I will only really win if it's in private, when we're on our own. Um, These days, we wear masks. In Victoria, we wear masks. But, you know, even before the COVID-19 pandemic came, we, we still wear masks. You know, we have our masks. We have our church mask. We have our uh, friend's mask. We have our family's mask. We have our parents' mask. We have our work masks. We wear all these masks around, whether we really realize it or not. We wear these masks around, you know. We, we talk like that around those people because that's how they talk. Or we wear clothes like that, like this, around those people because that's how they dress. Or we talk about things that these people talk about because that's what they talk about. And so we, we kind of put that mask on. We, we kind of put masks on and and not that we're sort of hiding ourselves, but sort of we are. But in solitude, in solitary refinement, all the masks come off. You know, when we're on our own, we don't have to wear a mask. When, When we're alone somewhere, when you're alone, you don't have to pretend to be anyone else. You're, you're just you, you know, you don't have to. There's no pressure to put on a facade if that's what you do. Uh, but solitary moments in the wilderness 
it, it's it's an opportunity for us to really get a good look at ourselves and see what our heart's desires are and what our real motives are and what our dreams might be. You know, I really encourage each person, if you can, I know it's really difficult right now to get away somewhere, but if you can get away somewhere overnight, just between you and the Lord, um, just a retreat, and just put away the, you know, the parent mask, put away the child mask, put away the teacher mask or the work mask or the sport mask or whatever it is and just put them away and just just get back to who you are again you know jesus was on his own in the wilderness for 40 days tempted by satan but he wasn't really on his own the wilderness will bring testing on your character and your creativity. So the wilderness is necessary. The wilderness is solitary. And in that solitude, we're forced to really test our own character and our own creativity. You know, integrity is who you are when no one's looking or doing the right thing when no one's looking. That's really integrity. Doing the right thing, you know, stopping at that stop sign, even if no one's looking. And you know what? I could kind of imagine the devil coming up to Jesus in the wilderness and saying, you know what, Jesus, I get that you're probably the son of God. Right. Okay. I understand that. That's cool. So why don't you just turn those rocks into bread and just eat? Who's going to know? There's no one out here in the wilderness. It's just me and you. No one's going to know Jesus. Just do it. That's not going to hurt anybody. Or Jesus, I know, I know that uh, you'd love. You've come to save the world. You've come to save the world. And so here, I've got the keys. I've got the keys. The authority was given to me. Here, all you got to do is bow down to me. I'll give you the keys to the world. No one's going to see Jesus. It's just you and me. We're just in solitude. No one's going to notice. And that's what the devil does with you and I as well. You know, and we're forced in that wilderness to have a battle in solitude, in solitary refinement, where we are forced to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to choose to do the right thing, even when no one's looking. The wilderness is not an easy place. It's a tough place. But it's solitary. The next thing I notice is that the, the wilderness, thank goodness, is temporary. We never see Jesus wandering into the wilderness with a packed bag, with a, with a swag or a tent or camping gear. He's not, he's not prepared to stay there for a long time. And maybe it's just because Jesus trusted the Holy Spirit's compulsion enough that he was able to trust God enough about the timing of the wilderness experience. You and I, we've just, we're going through six weeks here in Victoria, six weeks of, of isolation, of lockdown, six weeks. And that kind of comes out to about 42 days, 42 days. And here's Jesus, 40 days. It, it, it's not permanent. It's temporary. There will be an end. You will come out of it. 
You know, and the devil will try to tell you and I, when we go through those wilderness dry periods in our life, this is, this is it. It's, gonna, it's not going to change. It's going to be like this forever. And, it, and, he, and he lies and he lies and he lies. But the wilderness is just temporary. It's not going to last. You'll come out of this. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm coming out of this. You know, if you're in a wilderness experience, you're coming out of this. And it might not be six weeks. It might be 12 weeks. It might be 52 weeks. But you're coming out of it. Because we know that when God led Jesus into the wilderness, the wilderness was not the end. The wilderness was necessary. The wilderness was solitary. But the wilderness was temporary. The wilderness was temporary. It's not going to be the end. You're coming out of this. But Jesus... He also was, I said before, tested with, uh, in terms of his character. His character was tested. So integrity, doing the right thing when no one's looking. But also what was tested was Jesus's creativity. And so will yours and mine. In the wilderness experience, in that solitude, where it feels like God's not around, when it feels like no one else cares or no one's there to help, when it feels like God's not speaking. In fact, here we, we see Jesus. There's no mention of prayer. There's no mention of God speaking to him. It's like Jesus is surviving on the echoes of what he heard from the Father in heaven, from the Father at his baptism. You know, when God said from heaven, you are my son of whom I love. You're my beloved son. You know, it's like Jesus is surviving on those words. And, and in the wilderness times in my life, it's felt like that. It's like I've had to go back and go, to the last thing God said to me, whether it be through his word or, or in prayer time, an impression that he's put on my heart about some truth that lines up with scripture. Always go back to what God has said because the devil will try and get you to question everything God has said. And that's what he did with Jesus. And we see that in the other gospels, like Luke and Matthew, when they talk about the temptation of Jesus. We won't go into that specifically, but that's what the devil will do, try and question all that God has said. But this is where Jesus' creativity is, question, is tested. You see, what did Jesus go into the wilderness with? If he didn't go in with a sleeping bag or a tent or food, what did he go into the wilderness with? What was he able to use? What was he able to utilize in that period that was called wilderness? Well, time and time again, Jesus, under pressure, just like our friends, the cane toads in Queensland, what was on the inside of Jesus came out. So he was ready to go. He was prepared for camp. He was prepared for the wilderness. He had studied Deuteronomy again and again and again and again. And he, he had done what, what the writer of Psalm 119, verse 19 said, he, he had hidden his word, the word of God in his heart. He was ready and it was there. And so as soon as the devil put pressure on Jesus, out came the word of God. It is written, said Jesus. As soon as the devil put more pressure on Jesus, out came the word of God. It is written, said Jesus. 
Again and again, three times we see in the other Gospels, Jesus utilizes the word of God. His creativity is put to the test in the wilderness. Now, you might be in a wilderness now. You might think, I don't have anything. Well, you probably have the word of God. Have you got scriptures in your heart that you've stored up over time? You know, promises that God has given to you? You know, promises that he's, he's declared over your life that you can go back to again and again and just speak those out into the darkness at the devil's face if that's the case. Because the word of God is powerful. You know, it's the spirit of God that led Jesus into the wilderness. And it's also the spirit of God that was equipping Jesus to speak those words to Satan in response. And Jesus also teaches us this lesson too. Is that as he was tempted by the devil, Jesus knows that you can't argue with the devil. There's no point debating with Satan. There's no point. Jesus verbatim quotes scripture to the devil. You cannot go wrong quoting scripture to the devil verbatim. But then what happens is the devil comes back at Jesus in one of those temptations with scripture, but misaligned and twisted. But Jesus was ready for that. He was prepared for that, ready to go. So... <laughs> The wilderness is necessary. I'm sorry, but it really is. It will strengthen muscles in you you didn't even know you had. The wilderness is solitary. There's some lessons we can only learn in private. The wilderness is temporary. Praise God, this is not going to last forever. These are three things you can tell yourself every time you go through the wilderness. But there's also one more thing which... I think we can learn from this wilderness experience. Let's have a look at the scriptures. Come on. So let's go from verse 12. The spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus had a mission following that wilderness experience. And so the fourth point for the wilderness, not only is it necessary, not only is it solitary, not only is it temporary, but it's military. It's military. There's a mission. If, you, if you're finding yourself in a wilderness experience right now, just wait to see what God's got in store for you to do for him. Stick it out. Trust God in the middle of the wilderness. You know, Psalm 84 talks about how um, travelers or pilgrims go through the valley of weeping, you know, and, and they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. You know, if we just stick it out and, and push on through those solitary moments, those difficult moments, that time of testing, if we just push on and trust God, he will build in us 
muscles to use and and gifts to use and we'll learn lessons that we can pass on and we'll have we'll be better qualified to be able to bring whatever mission he has for us to bring you know jesus was qualified to declare to everyone that they needed to repent and believe because he was above sin he's been tempted and tested and in fact the word is that he was like like metal is tested. You know, it's put in the furnace. He was he went through, tested by Satan himself, and he came out stronger and he was more powerful. In fact, it's a wonderful, wonderful realization that in Luke's gospel, that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But out of the out of the wilderness, he's empowered by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and out of the wilderness, he's empowered by the Spirit. God has power for you and for me to do to do mission for him. God's got something amazing in store for each and every one of us. And, and the wilderness is like a training ground for that. It's like we're going to be Navy SEALs at the end, tougher and stronger because of the hardship that we went through in those times. And let's not forget, too, that Mark is writing this gospel to Christians like you and me, Christians that are facing persecution in Rome, you know, with the Colosseum and the gladiatorial battles. And, and so they're facing wild beasts. They're facing persecution. They're facing death. They're facing temptation to renounce their faith in Jesus. And so, so Mark's really encouraging them. Just with these few verses, he's reminding them, this is necessary. This period of your life, just hang on. The Holy Spirit has led you to this place. Just trust him in the middle of it. It's solitary. I know, I know. But Jesus knows it's solitary too. It's, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. What is going to last forever is the soul that puts its faith in Jesus Christ. That's going to last forever. I wouldn't worry about any trial that you face, says Mark, because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And also, this is military. You know, if you survive through this persecution, through this hard time, God has got a mission for you to spread the gospel. You know, it's going to be wonderful. Isn't it great to know that Jesus can sympathize with us in the wilderness, in those times in our life where we feel like God's not there? where it feels like all hell is breaking loose against us. Isn't it good to know that Jesus is, he sympathizes with us. You know, there's a show on TV. I love watching Bear Grylls and he takes these celebrities out to the wilderness and um, he helps them to survive in the wilderness. You know, they kill pigs and eat them and they, they make their own shelters by using tree branches and all sorts of things to survive in the wilderness. Now, imagine if you were to watch that show, but it wasn't Bear Grylls. It was just the celebrity in the wilderness on their own. I don't think they'd survive too well. Do you? But it's great to know that they've got someone who's been in the wilderness before, who's been trained in how to survive the wilderness and can lead them through the wilderness with all the tricks and things that they need to survive and stay alive and to make it out. 
and make it home eventually. You know, and isn't it great that we have Jesus for that as well? That we don't have a God who can't, who's not in touch with with our humanity. We have a God who is in touch with our humanity, who came to be one of us, who was tempted like us. But, But unlike us, he didn't fall into temptation and sin. But we can trust him with our sin because he died for our sin on the cross. He paid the price for the penalty of our sin. Yeah, we continue to sin sometimes, meaningfully, and sometimes accidentally. But we can always come to Jesus and say, look, I'm so sorry, Lord, for that sin. Thank you that you died for that on the cross. You know, and any time you go through a wilderness experience, you can know and rest assured that you have a saviour who knows exactly what you're going through and he knows how to get you through it. He knows that it's necessary because he's got a plan for you. He knows that it's solitary, but he's going to be with you through it all. He knows that it's temporary and you'll come out of this. And he knows the plans that he has for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And plans to give you a message with authority because of the victories that have been won in the wilderness. So if you're in a wilderness experience right now, well done. Keep going. Trust God. He's got good things ahead. But if you're not in the wilderness, then hopefully you're taking notes. Next time you are, then you'll be able to get through with God's help. I'm going to pray. If anyone would like some prayer, just let us know. Um, email pastor at hopefulwesleyan.org.au or just send us a notification on Facebook. And don't forget to share this broadcast with your friends and family. We'd love for them to get to know our God more and more. And uh, especially if they're struggling, they might be able to get some things in there to help them get through. But let's pray and uh, finish with the last song. Father, we just thank you so much that you are a faithful God. And that God, even though it seems like you're not there sometimes in the wilderness, we thank you that you promise to never leave us and never forsake us. And Lord, I I thank you, I do thank you that you allow those wilderness experiences to come in our lives. Times of testing, times of refinement, times of strengthening, times of putting away what's not needed and building up what is. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would really fill each person right now that might be going through a trial might be going through a wilderness experience. Lord, I really pray that your Holy Spirit would carry them through. Give them the strength to resist the temptations, Lord. Give them the the strength to resist the lies of the devil and to trust the goodness of God in the midst of the valleys, in the midst of the wilderness. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much that even, even when we don't see you, we know you're working. Even when we don't feel you, we know you're working. And you're using, you're using all situations, even those wilderness experiences, to shape us to be the people that you long for us to be. Powerful, victorious children of God. We thank you that you are with us and faithful to your promises. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.